0: I understood also that in order to innovate, you have to be on the ground. You have to be where people are, understand what they're going through, understand their problems so that you can come up with new solutions to those problems.
1: Welcome to The Wagon Live, where each week we bring you stories from entrepreneurs around the world. This week, we're talking to Chiara Condi, co founder of Led By Her, a 10 month program that helps women affected by violence rebuild their lives through entrepreneurship. Led By Her is also involved on a grassroots community level, putting on workshops, talks, and events around women's rights and entrepreneurship. Let's get started.
0: So, first of all, I'm not French. I'm half American, half Italian. And I've been in Paris for about five years. Um, and before that, I lived about half of my life in Italy, and then I, I moved to the U.S., and I, um, I grew up always in the American education system, and um, I think that that has had a big impact because it's very centered on community involvement, community engagement, giving back, and I think those core values really stayed with me, um, and I did my studies at uh, Harvard in the U.S., and um, I graduated in 2008, um, I was studying history and literature, and I was very passionate about um, research. And I thought that was going to be my life. I really wanted to be a professor. And then when I was there, I um, said I have to connect more with what's happening on the ground because I feel so disconnected, like I'm in a bubble or something. So I started volunteering at a homeless shelter. Harvard has one of the only student-run homeless shelters and um, when I was there, I created a program that um, was meant to serve, um, help the homeless access resources directly in shelters without having to go um, to, um, to places, which they didn't go because they were not very motivated to go. And I mobilized students, Harvard students, to come into the shelter in order to give the trainings and in order to give these resources. And I I built up a huge community, and um, I won the award in my graduating class for what I had put in place. Um, And so I said, I can't close myself in a library after all this. (laughs) Um, And that's when I thought that I wanted to have a bigger impact. And I um, did a master's at at Sciences Po at at the LSE in economics. Um, And I went to work for two years at the European Bank for Construction and Development, which was an international organization. It's a a regional IFI, sort of like the World Bank. Um, And that's where I discovered that um, women were very, very important today. Um, I was never a feminist before that. Um, I never believed in women's causes because I had always, in my own path, succeeded Um, and never really felt discriminated against. But then when I saw all the projects that the bank was doing and the impact that they had on men and women and that the reality was different, I understood that this was gonna become a major cause in the upcoming years and that equality would never just produce itself. So it meant that we had to create projects that were explicitly for women so to get women where they're not today. And I think that that's really, really what shifted um, my mentality. But at the same time, you know, in an international organization, it's just really hard to innovate you're executing projects, <laughs> you're not very creative. Um, and I understood also that in order to innovate, you have to be on the ground. You have to be where people are, understand what they're going through, understand their problems, so that you can come up with new solutions to those problems. And so it, it was natural to me that I wanted to go from the macro to the micro um, because it was only that way that I could bring a new voice to this subject That I thought was very important. Um, And in looking around at what other organizations were doing, I didn't really have maybe the idea of creating my own. I started to form my idea and I said, well, you know, we really have to think about the place of women in a society in a different way. And I'm gonna sort of challenge in a militant act um, and bring, you know, women who do not have access to entrepreneurship um, where they're not today and that's, that's kind of where, uh, where Led by Her was born. Um, and I had the chance that I emailed two professors, um, one uh, here around the corner at ESCP and another one at ESEG and I said, would you let me bring these women in your school for free? Um, and they said yes right away. <laughs> so, <laughs> I w- so then I was uh, launched <laughs> before I was ready and, um, and then everything else came after.
1: And um, can you now tell us in more details what's Led by Her? Who's it for? What's your program? What do you do?
0: Um, well, that's a great, great question. Who is it for? Because I was talking today with um, somebody who wanted to um, fund Led by Her. And I said, well, you know, half of it has said Led by Her is half for its participants, but the other half is for the community because we're also creating so much value by what we're doing and by all the people who are involved. So, you know, that, the first half is um, the program, uh, which is an entrepreneurship program, which is the, what I started with, um, which is 300 course hours right now over 10 months. And um, the idea is to help women who have suffered from violence rebuild their lives through entrepreneurship. Um, The program uh, has many, many different types of workshops that you would find in an accelerator and a business school program. But one-third of the program is personal development. Um, And then we have a mentor and a business coach for each woman. And then we organize a lot of events. Um, And we do hackathons with um, coding school, with business schools, with companies... Um, We organize um, a lot of smaller events around innovation and women's rights, around um, access to entrepreneurship. So all these causes that are very important to us. So that's why it became, in time, just so much more than an entrepreneurship program and something that is really um, a community project um, and that has stayed very grassroots.
1: So what we understand is that two sides of the project. The one is the business side to empower women by making them um, start their own company. And the the other one is more personal, how to reconstruct. So how does it translate into your program? Do you have like business course on one side? And then
0: on which level is the mentoring done? Um, so everything, I would say that everything is mixed. So in the, in the, if, in the entrepreneurship program, everything is happening at the same time. So the personal development is built by a coaching school in order to get you from where you are now to posture of being an entrepreneur, uh, the challenges that go in between and launching, um, the program is divided. The entrepreneurship program is divided, um, in three parts. Um, the first part re- really gives you um, the basic notions of entrepreneurship, so uh, marketing, um, finance, a lot of th- a lot of useful tools. And then the second part with ESCP is much more practical, which makes you build a prototype. And then the third part um, is what I would say more sort of technical tools for your projects, like social networks and things like that that, that are useful. Um, so that's how the program is divided. The personal development is all throughout, and the mentoring is also all throughout. And we give mentors also for three years mm-hmm. to, the, to each woman if, the, if uh, she wants.
1: And um, how
0: do you measure the impact
1: of uh, one class, one year? I'm only asking this because then, obviously, the other question is
0: about how do you convince companies mm-hmm. to jump into the project? Well, that's a very good question because I think um, how we measure... I think that there are various challenges. So one is that um, if you're, and you're going to realize this, if you do any kind of entrepreneurship program, people have their own rhythm. So you can be teaching the same thing to 30 people and they will all be doing it at a different pace. So it's very hard because when you have an entrepreneurship program, you Um, are confronted with people's paces, people's lives, things that happen. So I think you can never design an entrepreneurship program thinking that you're going to produce 100% entrepreneurs. I think we should think about entrepreneurship today in a larger sense. We should think about entrepreneurship as a posture in society. Saying I'm an entrepreneur of my own life. I've learned this process and this process has transformed me and it will also help me in whatever project I go in, and I think that if we change that mindset, and if we go into that, then it becomes a lot less pressure, because there is this pressure of oh, either the project fails, or the project doesn't, wo- or the project works, and then either I'm an entrepreneur or I'm not an entrepreneur. No, you're always an entrepreneur, and and that's 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 what we are trying to get at as well. And um, we say that we're focusing more on life transformation through entrepreneurship rather than project creation per se. Then we have a lot of women who cr- have created beautiful projects and that's, gr- that's great and that's very impactful. Um, but the project should be a result of the process and, and not, um, not the goal per se, um, because we want to create something that will stay with someone's life um, whatever they do after. And I hope that everybody sees their entrepreneurial journey that way. And, and if you see it that way, you, it's a much more open way to see it. And you think that you can take the risk because, um, because it's a process. And whatever happens in the end, you've learned the process. And that will stay with you, whatever you do after, if it's an entrepreneurship journey or not. And also, you were mentioning
1: earlier the American culture. And I've heard that there's a huge culture of um, failure before managing, it's very valued to even fail a project, isn't it? Yes, I mean, Well, I, th- I, think there's,
0: I think that's why we have to look at entrepreneurship um, as, a, as, a, as a process and not a, just a step or a result. Um, because if you look at it as a process, you know, basically if you want to call it a failure or something not working, that is, is one step in the journey. But then it's it's the whole journey that counts, not that one step. Um, and everybody who's succeeded has just succeeded more than they've failed, but they've also failed. <laughs> so <laughs> good, good to keep in mind. Um, are you back to buy companies?
1: Are you and has it worked? Do they give you financial support or teaching? And
0: how did you convince them? So it's very hard to get. Um, it's very hard to get financial support. It's much more easier to get um, volunteer support and in kind support from companies right now. Um, it's um, what happens is that when you create an organization, if it's a nonprofit. Companies give to um, a certain population, so they have to. People have to be a certain age. People have to be from a certain socioeconomic background. They have to fit many, many criteria, mm-hmm. um, and so it's very difficult because we have a very um, heterogeneous population. Because we are solving a social problem, not a socioeconomic problem, exactly. and that makes it very diff- diff- difficult to fund. Um, And I would say that most of our funding today actually comes from our community, from people we know, from volunteers, from, you know, um, friends, uh, and people who see the impact that we've had. And so did you give back? Exactly. I think there's a huge, there's a huge give back and Led By Her, and I think that's one of the most touching things, is that when we have an event, for example, you see as even as a volunteer. So I have, I, mean, I have volunteers who have been teaching in the program, and the program is the same for five years. So they come, they've been coming for five years, and they see people who they helped five years ago now. So they feel like they've been part of that journey and that they've been um, part of that contribution of the person's change. And I think that that's what's great about that, by is that it's a community. It's not just people come and, you know, you help them on the CV and then you just never see them again. It's you really help life transformation and then you see, you witness that transformation. And the fact that people, many of the women we, who we've helped come back to help for events shows that somehow we touch them.
1: So do they come back to do teaching supports or just to meet and then give
0: advices? Um, so they come, they come back as volunteers. They can also come, they can also come back... Um, and participate in the courses if they want. So okay. we have a very, this very wide sense of community. Once you're in, you're in. Um, as and much as you uh, want to help, e- you can. Exactly, exactly. And if you want to be helped, you can as well.
1: <laughs> so um, Led by her is um, one of your fights, but I've been reading that um, you are interested into empowering women at a larger scale, mm. like every woman. Um, do you have other projects that you started? Are you giving talks around the world? How do you, mm-hmm. what
0: do you do? Yeah, so that happened accidentally. So um, I'm talking um, in right now in, in a lot of countries, um, which is very interesting because Led by Her is only in Paris. So, <laughs> but it's okay. But that shows you that if you would do something small and you do it well, it can have a large echo and that you don't necessarily have to do this huge and be the biggest in order for people to see you, or in order to have a voice, or in order to matter. And I think that's a really something really important that I've learned as a message, because that's definitely not what my schooling taught me. It taught me you have to be the best, you have to be the blah, 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 blah and you have to be number one so that people see you. Um, and I don't think that's true at all. I think you uh, have to have a sincere impact, and that's really more important than um, than the magnitude of your work. And I think that, you know, for example, we just started... The first year is we just started with the entrepreneurship program. We were not doing events. That's something that people started asking us, oh, can we start doing events? And and so we started doing events, and then we started growing the community, and then I started getting more vocal about, you know, things that I was seeing and ideas that I had about how we could make more women-access entrepreneurship and new solutions, And, and one thing led to another. I started writing things on LinkedIn. I started writing articles... And then, you know, that stuff started being seen, and then people started calling me for conferences, and then that sort of started happening and spiraling in that, in that direction. And, um, and then, um, in terms of Led by Her, we are now creating um, a platform with uh, Capgemini, which uh, will allow companies to mobilize um, their employees around uh, women's entrepreneurship by giving skill-based pro bono volunteering to help all women entrepreneurs on their project. So we hope that if if it works, we can scale um, worldwide, which would be great. And that's that's the beauty as well of of the internet (laughs) Um, and of digital.
1: I was, I was going to ask, actually, how did you do to get so much um, coverage in the newspaper? You have so many articles, especially in France. So you seem to say it was grown naturally, no? Or is it that you asked one journalist once and then some others came to you?
0: Um, well, I think what's, if, if you want to learn how I learned what I learned about basic PR... Um, <laughs> Basically, it's hard to get on one person's radar, but when you're, like, on one person's radar, it's like you're on everybody's radar. So it's that first, um, when, nob- when nobody writes about you, nobody writes about you. And that's very hard, because you, then you send a lot of emails to journalists being like, hey, I'm having this event, come. N-. Journalists never respond. Um, they never respond to their email. So... Um, Basically, um, I think that what we um, the first few articles were were probably blogs, mm-hmm. and those blogs were shared on social media. And then we had um, a few big articles. Um, and basically, what we did, what we did uh, uh, was, if truly honestly, is that we went to events. And we would meet journalists there at those events, and sort of take them and say, you know, we have this project. Did
1: you go with the T-shirt and
0: the tote bag? Uh, uh, We know we didn't we didn't have money for T-shirts and tote bags back then. (laughs) So, and that's how we got the first people. We at other people's event, we would go and we would find the journalists and and we'd say, you know, I have this thing. and, and then once a few journalists write about you, then they all write about you. <laughs> because the one thing is that I think it's very difficult for journalists to, to do research, and it's very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. So... It's once you're on the radar, you're on everybody's radar. Um, so that's Someone's why I think it's a ex, it's an exponential um, way. But I think at the beginning you have to be very uh, yeah. You, I mean, you have to you know take over other people's events, like do do things, uh, put yourself out there, and, and take risks um, to really really get people. And um, you know I I always say this because I say. Now I, I hate going to networking events, and you know people think it's like my nature that I hate networking. No, that's not my nature. But the first two years, I went to so many networking events. <laughs> I, I, I got off my chair, and I went every single night to, to something, to meet people, to give, give out my card, to say this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. And then after doing like two, two good years of that, you never want to see a cocktail again. (laughs) So, but I think it's really important because you have this um, idea, and I think for all entrepreneurs who start, that you just put something out there and people will come. And that's false. Um, You put something out there and you have to get off your chair, not on the internet, get off your chair and really go physically meet people, convince them, uh, because people will be convinced by you first. And then those people will bring other people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's very, very physical. Starting something is very, very physical work. Um, I mean, I don't know anybody who just started something just behind the computer and never, never saw you know, human beings. So um, I think that, that that's really, really, a really, really important lesson. Um, and you know, even if, even the same thing, if you launch a website, for example, an e-commerce site or something, you put it on the internet and you think that all of a sudden like millions of people will just go on there. Well, no, it's going to be your mother and your brother if they're nice. (laughs) And, and, and if that doesn't work, you know, then you have to try other ways and you have to go... You know, meet people and convince them to to t- tell them how great your project is, and and you know, and believe believe it when you when you say it. Um, so I think that that's really practical, really practical advice about starting. Thank you for cracking PR <laughs> in, in a few minutes like
1: this. <laughs> it's very useful. Um, so considering that you're half American and half Italian, why did you launch this business in France, in
0: Paris? Um, so I came here to study at Sciences Po uh, in 2008-2009 mm-hmm. and then I lived in London and then I quit my job in London and I wanted to come back to Paris and then literally um, before I knew it I kind of sent these emails to the business schools and they said yes and then I was just like okay well I guess I'm doing this and then <laughs> and then you went yeah and then I guess I, I, you know in my mind I was I was very young when I started so the advantage of starting when you're super young is that you don't ask yourself questions. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's good. You, you could have started in London
1: <laughs> since you were living there. I
0: could have started. I could have started in London, but I wanted. I had the desire to come back to Paris. I wanted to leave London. Okay. And um, and the, and because things worked, um, then I just kept building, and, and I never left.
1: And maybe my last question: Do you plan to grow an international community in the long term, followed by her?
0: Um, Well, I think that I think that we already have, you know, a pretty international following and that uh, we are on the radar of a a lot of organizations like there's I'm going next month to a a fundraiser that somebody in in London is throwing for for led by her um, just because she likes our spirit um <laughs> so it's, it's i think we have a, we have you know I'm, and I'm going to Canada in may to speak at the women's forum so I think we have we have everything we need the, you know, community the community the community is there I think we are doing our work we're doing it well we're doing it here yeah and I think that we're having um our what we're doing is revolutionary enough and interesting enough that people around the world are noticing um and that's that's what that's what matters and um if uh you know i want to continue having that impact um and i think that there are many many um ways and venues for scaling that impact um do you think that led by her benefited from the recent events the me too hashtags and all of these affairs do you think that a couple of years back it would have been different for your for you and your company? Um, so I I think um, I think there's been a general wave. So I've been working on women's issue now for about ten years, um, and I see that when I started there was um, another context. So people thought of equality differently. People think, okay, because everything in everything in theory is accessible to men and women. You know, you never see a sign that says women cannot. Uh, apply for this job or something, you know. Um, They think that their equality means that women and men can equally seize uh, those opportunities. And that's false. That's why statistics didn't change for so many years. But there was no funding for programs for women. There was no attention. There was no will. Because that's how society, people saw equality. Um, And I was working in an international organization in 2009 when I joined. They were first starting and that's the public sector, you're not even talking about the private sector, they are first starting to look at gender impact of their projects. So saying, admitting, okay, maybe they don't have the same impact on men and women. Um, and I think that that has t- completely changed in the last 10 years that I've been in the sector. Um, and w- now we say, okay, whatever, everything that we've been doing has not been working because... Um, there is discrimination. Uh, there is a culture that does not include women and that might be conscious, unconscious, whatever, both probably. Um, that's why we have to create programs and things that explicitly help women to get what, where they're not today. And I think that that's the big change and that that was kind of going on before the Me Too movement. And the Me Too movement brought it one step further and saying, um, well, we acknowledge that our culture has this huge problem. And once we acknowledge that this culture has a huge problem, I think it's very positive because then we're saying, okay, that's the first step to change. Because if you don't even say that there is a problem, it's impossible to change it. So I think it's been riding on on, um, very different things that have been changing and that Me Too happened when it did because A whole other philosophy, as I said, was changing as well in the sector, and in the workplace, in the working world. And I think that it did give an importance to our our organization because people thought, "Oh, like you're combining violence and entrepreneurship." Five years ago, that was crazy, and today it makes sense because look at all you know, look at all the people and all the women in Silicon Valley who um, suffered from different kinds of uh, abuse in their environment. And if we, don't ch- if, if we work on women as individuals and we empower them as much as we want, but we don't work on the environment, how are they going to succeed? And that's, I think, we, we've gotten to the realization that we have to work on the whole problem and not just one part.
1: Uh, I'm Adam, and my question is about the women who joined the program. Um, how do you find them? Do they spontaneously apply to the program, or...? how does it work? And maybe if you could share also an example of a transformation of a, of a woman who that has joined the program, that would be really interesting as well.
0: Great. Um, well, um, first of all, they uh, find our program um, through um, other organizations. Um, there are other organizations that are working on psychological group support, other types of support that we are not offering. And... Um, they orient candidates towards us um, every year. And we have cohorts, so uh, we start in um, September and go until um, July. And um, you know, we um, all have individual interviews as well as collective interviews to understand that people are really motivated to be there and that they want to start a project because that's very important also for the whole group um, because they will be together for a year. So that's an, and it's a huge commitment as well. You know, 300 course hours is the equivalent of a master's. So, as tra- in terms of transformation, um, you know, one of uh, one of the one of the people who we have helped, um, it's just really interesting because this just happened a few weeks ago, so it sort of stuck in my head. Um, she, uh, she, you know, she she was in. Had very dif- difficult uh, time. She had no confidence in herself. She had trouble speaking in public, um, and she was uh, and um, yes, so it was very, very. It was very difficult for her. Um, and I just saw her two weeks ago, and and uh, we had a volunteer night, and she came up in front of the 60 volunteers and told them, oh, you know, uh, by the way, I am opening my makeup studio, and uh, I already have 40,000 viewers on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> we don't even have, <laughs> we don't even have that, you know, that on, on YouTube. Um, and no idea how to get them, either. Um, so, and it's, it's something um, that, you know, was very beautiful because I think that one of the most beautiful parts of Led by Her is the way we challenge the women to become the individuals that they want to become and to make all their potential come out. And I remember that one of of the women said, this is the only place where I feel like my teachers want me to go even farther than they went in life. Um, And I think that that's really sort of the, yes, the the beauty of, of Led by Her. It's very... It's very selfless, and, um, and people are really, really giving. Um, I wanted to know, just out of curiosity, when you said that you um, emailed all these, univ- these two universities
1: and um, got these women together and went to speak there, was that also something,
0: were these women you knew uh, from work or something, or how did you get this group together, and what exactly did you tell them, like did you organize it in some way or did you just talk about your experience? So when I contacted the universities, I I just contacted them without having anything, Um, just with the idea that I wanted to do this. Um, I think what helped is that I had a a bit of a professional background in um, project management and women's causes so i did have a, a a bit of an experience in that but i think um i think it hit a mark because they were very interested in also for themselves to um bring a different public into their schools and and so i think that they saw a very important interest in you know that would be so cool if we taught what we teach to you know uh, pretty wealthy uh, kids to people who do not have access, maybe to the same means, and see how far they can go with the same teaching. Um, and I think that there—that um, was—I think that was fairly easy. Um, but I think that it's also a game of statistics because you can send out an email and people can say no, and so what? Do you stop? No, you just keep going. I think you also have to. Ad- when you're an entrepreneur, you get so many no's. I was very lucky in that I got yeses very quickly. But you can get so many no's. And the one thing that I did, when I did get one no. And the one thing that I did was that I asked the person who said no, well, do you know anybody else who would say yes? And actually, that's how I got to the X yes. So, so I think that sometimes, you know, we, we really need to be pushy and you don't need to stop. Um, and also just know that, sometimes you just have to ask multiple people it doesn't mean because somebody says no that everybody else will so maximize your chances try everything (laughs) Uh, I was wondering why did you decide to target these women specifically and also what would be your definition of a social entrepreneur yeah that's um that's a very good question um well I think Um, right now the way I see the definition of a social entrepreneur being used is anybody who is creating a project that is having an impact Um, and that can be a for-profit project or that can be a non-for-profit project Um, I think that I see the definition being used very 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 widely Um, and I think also I don't, I'm not sure if the definition is is what is most important I think that there are great you can make a huge difference having a company that is just a traditional company that has there's so many ways that you can give back um, and include that also in your in in, uh, in your value chain um, so I don't think you have to be a nonprofit to have an impact I definitely don't think that Um, and uh, and the second question was why I chose this public um, because I thought um, I worked on the subject of uh, violence against women and one third of women today are subject to violence and I think it's very important um, because we shouldn't be there in 2018 and I think it's very sad that there's no way of reinserting them back in society and that to give people a chance to become autonomous and to regain their dignity, their place, their voice. So I think it was a very sort of militant act um, to give people back a place in society that they've been that has been taken away from them. And I think you can take that argument to so many people who are disconnected from the from the working world for so many other things that happen in their lives. And I think that unfortunately today we have way too few bridges. Um, but it's beautiful what happens when they get the help that they need. Um, I was wondering uh, what are the added
1: values or advantages your project provides to these women uh, compared to if they just enroll into a business school by themselves? Because as you said, like it's a one-year program
0: and it's fairly long and a big commitment. Yeah. So we, we you know, we had this issue, and um, because when we were thinking about designing the program, we were thinking about whether we would mix them with normal students and we decided not to because we wanted to create a special path I think what's there are two things one is the, co- the cohort um, so being with a group of people going through the same experience together growing together is very important and having that first network uh, which is also very important when you're creating a project or rebuilding yourself, any, anything. Uh, having that first circle of people that you can rely on, and we wanted to provide that. Um, and also going through that experience with with other people who have been through similar experiences is um, sort of creates a, a circle of help that is very, we've seen as very, very important in, in, in individual success. Um, and... I think that what we have that is different is that um, when you go, for example, to an accelerator, an accelerator will focus on your project, not your, per- not yourself. We go person rather than project. So a third of our program is personal development, and we really work on the individual to understand why she's there, what she wants to do, what is her motivation, what is her talent, and what does she want to bring to the world, and then we create a project out of that. and we. That's why we work over time. That's why we have another methodology. Um, but we are much more individual-centered than a normal entrepreneurship program. And that's why also we also have the rebuilding aspect.
1: I think the methodology is so interesting because you say, you know, throughout the year, you can start So by the end of the year, you cannot but be... You have to be proud of yourself because you made it. So everyone is... It works with the project.
0: Yes, exactly. If you've invested that much time into yourself, you've gotten somewhere.
1: <laughs> and this is not very common in terms of um, a mentoring support because s- m- much more often people only talk about psychological support, talking,
0: but I didn't see it very widespread, this idea to, of hands-on projects. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I think, um, so I th- really believe in equality over quantity and I think that there are a lot of Uh, for example entrepreneurship programs where you go in for like two weeks and then it's really intense and you get really excited and then you leave and something happens and you ah what do i do i'm on my own um it's over so i think that you know especially if you're considering something like entrepreneurship and if you really want to give people a taste of that journey you have to do it over time um and I think that there are um, and people need support people need networks we re- that's something that we realized that's why we put the events um, people need all of these re- all of these resources because it's re- uh, if you're, it's very hard to do it alone yeah. it's very very hard um, so that's why we, that's why we did it over time and for, and for us when you do something over that long you know you change the person and, and Um, in the process and we also believe that there are two things that you really need you know one is the support but also the tools so if you want to move from point a to point b this is like if you're going through any kind of life transformation or professional transformation it's like you need to get enough tools so that you feel that when you're at point b you can go on by yourself and use those tools um, but otherwise you, you don't feel like you've changed. Um, so you have to give those elements of learning, which we give through all our courses. So whether they become entrepreneurs or not, they know how to do social networks, they know how to do this and that, and and that will always stay with them.
1: Uh, I just want to come back to something you talk about, about going international. So I understand you are international in a way, your community is international, but I wanted to ask more about... Are well, you thinking about scaling up internationally, but also in France, maybe opening more late by her in other cities? Because as you say, it's one third of women.
0: Uh, so it's a lot of people. And I guess you could do amazing things in many other places. Um, so that's why we sort of started uh, the platform, because we thought that the platform would help us scale to more people. And we've realized that more and more, there are a lot of women entrepreneurs who need help many, many, many know, who want to start projects. And so we kind of want to help that. And we have so many people who want to help, but they don't know how to help or who to help. So we hope that you know, through the model that our organization has created, we can kind of become an efficient source for optimizing that. And that's the way we chose to scale. Um, and it's also, um, it's also because what we do here on the ground is great, um, but it's also very time-consuming. It's very physical. It's very... Um, and it's for a small group of people. Um, so we would like to be able to enlarge it and democratize what we're doing to a larger mass. Um, and obviously, it's very costly in terms of, um, in terms of resources and time. Um, so that's why, we, that's why we kind of hacked the digital way to help us get more people on board on our project so we could help more people. And, um, and we'll test that out and see how it works.
1: <laughs> so, Kira, one last question. Um, you said you studied hist- history, humanities and literature, right? Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the benefit of studying humanities? And I'm asking this because nowadays studies cost more and more money, and so as a result, people tend to choose degrees that they... C- to which they can um, get skills for the professional world, such as math, um, management. So how, how does it help structuring yourself?
0: Um, so I think that what I'm lucky that in the, the American system, it's very different because you get what's called a, a Bachelor of Arts. So everybody comes out with a Bachelor of Arts. And then just a small percentage of the courses that you take are the courses that um, belong to the major that you pick. And so, and then you had mandatory courses. So you had to, you know, you had to take like, I don't know, some maths and uh, science and all of that stuff as well in college. Um, and I think that that's the beauty of, of having um, a liberal, what's called in the U.S., a liberal arts education. Is that you can be free to do whatever you want. And you can, there's no expectation that what you study, unless you want to be like pre-med. Um, that's the one exception, um, but if you want to, you can study whatever you want and become whatever you want, because the way you should see your studies, and I think this is very important, is that you're not gaining skills. I mean, how many people today are actually doing what they studied? Almost none. Um, <laughs> and the older you get, <laughs> the fewer there are, <laughs> trust me. So. Um, Basically, I think you should see your studies as doing, I always believe that in life you should do whatever you're most passionate at, at that given time. So if you're passionate about something, that's how you're going to do well. If you're passionate about something, do it, because it means something is interesting you. And I think that things come to us in diagonal ways. You know, life is not straightforward. It's not like you study this and then... So maybe if I had not studied what I had studied and had not had my path, then I wouldn't be thinking about this problem in an original way. And maybe I would be thinking about it how everybody who else is thinking about it. Um, So I think you should see that as an asset. Um, And I think that the way you should see education, and the way I see it, is that you're learning analytical tools that you will be using for the rest of your life. You're not learning skills, because I can tell you almost everything that I learned, I've forgotten by now. So I learned how to think, I learned how to write, and all of those things, I'm still using today. Um, And I think that that's the same way that, um, I mean, that's the same way you can look at code. Code's going to evolve. What you're learning today in ten years is not going to be useful anymore. But you're learning a way of thinking. You're becoming sort of an artist of code, and then you will do with whatever comes when, when it comes. So I think that that's I think that that's true for everything, and that's how we should that's how we should look at things. Um, and you know, I know very very few people who have um, a perfectly linear path. Um, And, um, but you know, you're, you're the sum of all those experiences that made you.
1: Beautiful conclusion. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Ciara, for being here tonight. Thank you everyone for joining us questions. Thanks for listening to the wagon live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our series by clicking the subscribe button.